Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today I finally get to see Tiffany again after, I don't know, it feels like forever. I guess it really wasn't that long. No, I think we had dinner on Saturday night. Oh, okay. So that was just a few days ago. (laughs) Still, we did have dinner with your, your mother and your stepfather. Which was a great time, actually. But it, it's different. It's different than us just hanging out. You've been really busy. You have yeah, family had, in town. I've had family in town. They just left today, so I'm a little bit freer in a sense. But yeah, I've had family in town, which of course means my entire time has been taken up. But that's okay. It's a good thing. How did it go? It was great. It was really great. I mean, my mother and my stepfather have been here to Rome many times. And so they have seen not only all the top sites but they've seen like all the second tier sites they've been to almost all the museums and several obscure archaeological sites and several day trips and so it was a challenge but a fun challenge to come up with things to do with them that were you know a little bit more off the beaten track so we went to Villa Farnesina and Palazzo Madama and a few other places that a couple of those places I'd never been so that was nice which is amazing in 10 years that you still haven't been places yeah, they say you can't see Roman in, in a lifetime. I'm going to try, though. <laughs> if I stay here, of course. Well, one of the interesting things for you that I always notice whenever I'm at a dinner with you and your, either your Italian side of the family or this side of your family is you're still a mixed couple. Claudio's still Italian. You're still American. You're speaking English more fluently than he is. So you get a bit caught in the middle between the discussions that happen you're the one that has to translate everything. Yeah. It's not so bad when it's just me and Claudio and some English-speaking friends because he speaks enough English to be able to talk with them. He's not going to catch every single word, and he's probably not going to talk as much as he would if the conversation were in, in Italian, but he can do it, and so it's okay. But the problem comes when a situation like last night at dinner with my in-laws and my mom and my stepdad, in which there are a number of people at the table who speak no or almost none of the other person's language. So we had my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and one of my sisters-in-law who speak little to no English. And we had my mother and my stepfather who speak little to no Italian, little tiny bit, few words here and there, but they can't, they can hardly communicate with each other. They have to pantomime and get out their dictionaries. So I end up having to translate. Now I'm lucky that my husband and one of my sisters-in-law speaks enough English, they speak enough English to be able to also converse with the non-Italian speakers. A lot of translating falls on me. And it's hard, especially when someone's telling a story or I want to tell a story. And sometimes I want to tell a story and I don't want to have to tell it twice. Kind of ruins the punchline. And that happened a couple of times last night, but you have to do that. That's an interesting thought. So when you're telling your own story, how do you approach it? Do you do half the story in Italian and then you do the same half in English and then you come back to the Italian or what? Oh, it's hard. I actually, you might remember my rehearsal dinner and everyone was doing speeches. And do you remember this? Yes. I think, I don't think you gave us, did you give a speech? Oh, we gave a speech. Well, I remember, yeah, I remember that there was a speech. I didn't remember, you did it together. Was that what it was? Okay. Yeah, two, two women. My two, women. my two bridesmaids gave a speech and I translated Whatever the other language was, I translated it. That wasn't hard. The hard part was when I wanted to make a speech. 
because I didn't know whether to make it in Italian or in English and which to say first. And it's difficult. I would, I would go back and forth is what I did then. Last night I was telling a story. I started to tell it in Italian and someone said, no, 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 tell it in English so your parents can understand. So I started telling it in English and then I stopped for whatever reason, there was a pause in the story and I went back to it in Italian and I was looking right at my mom and my stepdad and I was telling them the story, but I was telling them in Italian and my sister-in-law said, Tiffany, you're speaking Italian. That's the ultimate compliment, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It is It is a really great thing that I would never have thought, looking back when I just dreamed of speaking Italian, I would have been giddy to think that that would happen. But it's not that I speak Italian so well that I don't even notice I'm speaking a foreign language because I do. It's not as easy for me as English, not even close. How did the story play, splitting it up like that? Did you find a reaction, the reaction was different? I can't remember. Do you um, remember what the story was about? I can't even remember. <laughs> Tell it to me in English and then in this Italian, is, and I'll see how I react. This is my mind. I can't, my mind is so uh, swirled. I don't even know. I don't even remember the story. I can't remember. But the point is that it's annoying because, you know, you get like to the punchline and half the table laughs and then you got to explain it to the other half. We were kind of sitting there patiently feeling kind of out of place and they get the low grade punchline. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I, I never even thought about that, that if you're stuck in the middle of translating, does that mean that you actually participate in the conversation a lot less? Sometimes. Yes and no. Sometimes, I mean, I've been in a situation when my aunt and uncle were visiting and they're very political and they like to talk politics. And so does my father-in-law. So they got into this big political discussion. I have my opinions, obviously, about politics, but I don't really want to get into them at the dinner table. I find that kind of unpleasant dinner talk. But here I was stuck in the middle and I was having to translate this. And of course, you know, my opinions are bound to come out as I'm translating back and forth. I'm not, obviously I'm not a professional interpreter. <laughs> if I were, then of course you don't put your own opinions in there. But um, I got to a point where I was just like, you have to stop. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't be the means by which you guys have a political discussion. They were pretty much in agreement. So at least it wasn't a fight. That would have been bad. But sometimes you also, when you're translating, and again, not, not if you're a professional interpreter, this is if you're in a social situation, you might get to the point where you, uh, it's happened to me that I don't translate what someone says because I think it's going to offend the other person. Hmm. Can you give us an example <laughs> and how you make that judgment call? I think it was exactly, actually the same conversation that I was talking about with my aunt and uncle and my father-in-law said something and I, I don't necessarily think it's offensive, but it just, it didn't make any sense. It wasn't, it was totally off subject. It was going to open a whole other tangent. It seemed a little bit, I mean, sometimes and I, I know both sides of every culture, probably somebody can make this social faux pas where you say something that is not, not that it's insensitive to the other culture, but it's just unaware of how the, the other culture would see it. And I think it was a comment like that. And I can't really remember what it was. Sorry. <laughs> but I just said, you know what, let's, let's stop this. I can't. I think that was when I stopped it. And I just said, I don't want to, I don't want to get into it. So have you ever omitted something but you translate everything else. <laughs> and then I guess what I'm getting at is you're in this very weird position of power where if I were to say something like in a different language, I think that Nazis should be running the country. <laughs> and you go, okay, that's crazy. I'm not going <laughs> to translate that. 
But meanwhile, as far as I'm concerned, I thought you just translated my thought about the Nazis to this other person. <laughs> and why are they not reacting to my <laughs> radical thought about the Nazis running the country? That's a good point. I don't think that maybe has ever come up unless unless it was a, such a small detail that I was able to leave it out and the conversation was more or less the same without one little detail. That conversation, I think, I'm pretty sure I just ended it there. One other time I was translating that I, I refused to translate what the person said. It was also my father-in-law. <laughs> I don't want to paint him in a bad light because he's a great person. But he's a little bit odd, let's say. And we were in New York. We went on a big family vacation <laughs> to New York and other cities in the United States last year. And we were in a deli. We were in a really famous deli in New York. I think it's like the deli that Woody Allen goes to or something. We had this waitress who was an older African-American woman, very friendly, very nice. And she was very patient with us and, you know, all of our menu issues and dietary restrictions and everything like that. My father-in-law, I think, was getting towards the end of the trip. I think he was kind of homesick for Italy. So every person that he met, he was kind of talking about Italy to them. Tiffany, Tiffany, come here. Let me <laughs> let me talk to this waitress. Come here. Let me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. so you're dragged into all that. Yeah, I think it's kind of silly for me. Like as a tourist, I mean, <clears throat> not a tourist in this moment, but when I am a tourist, I don't really think it's appropriate to go on and on about your own country. If you're an expat and you're living in a foreign country and you're having a conversation about with like-minded people about different cultures, like we're doing, that's different. But if I'm visiting, let's say Malta, when I meet a Maltese person, I'm not going to start talking about how great my country is. I don't know. I don't think it's appropriate. Unless they particularly ask me, you know, what's the best thing about your country or something. We sit down and my father-in-law loves to talk to people and that's a great quality that he has, but sometimes it's a bit much. She gathered very quickly that we were from Italy. He was trying to say in his broken English that Italy is very beautiful. And the word beautiful was the only thing that she caught. She assumed that he was talking about her. And she said, oh, thank you. You know, and she was very, very flattered by this comment. And I just let it lie. Like, I just, I was like, okay, there's no way I'm going to say, well, actually, that's not what he meant. He meant that the country that he's from is beautiful. So that was it. And then another thing happened a little bit later. Oh, wait, let me ask you, what was his facial reaction to that if i said my country of italy is very beautiful and and you said thank you did he look puzzled at all i think i quickly translated to him what had happened i said something very quickly to him in italian that she couldn't understand so that he would not say anything else i don't know if it was at that moment or a little bit later he said translate ask the waitress you know maybe he thinks she's a waitress she sees people coming in eating these gigantic which they were enormous sandwiches, like these enormous pastrami sandwiches that were three feet high. I said, I'm not translating that. I'm not asking the waitress. I mean, what What do you think? And he's like, oh, you're right. You're right. That's not appropriate. <laughs> so you're almost like the fixer. You're the mediary that's <laughs> the conscience of people yeah, spewing whatever they want to say. <laughs> maybe all tourists should have one sort of like sitting on their shoulder. Well, it's an interesting thought because... I've traveled a lot in foreign countries and particularly in Southeast Asia. And I'm often traveling with somebody who can speak Vietnamese or Taiwanese or something like that. And you often assume that they are translating what you're saying. And now I have a whole new thing because <laughs> there have been moments when somebody will say something to me and I'll look at the guy who's translating and I'll say, well, well what did he say? And he'll just give me a blank look. Nothing I didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that happens. It's got to happen. Well, maybe you can't answer this question, but do you think that professional interpreters say that they're only interpreting for one person? Do you really think that they're able to just go word for word and not insert any of their own, their own 
I really don't know. I would think that some probably do. Like if you work for an embassy and you're translating between heads of state, I'm imagining that you're going to be pretty separated because people are probably going to hear you and, you know, somebody's bound to understand the language. But if it's something more like that, like a smaller, more intimate setting, I can definitely see it happening. I just was reminded of a really strange story. I was in Vietnam and I was, my father was doing <clears throat> some work there and it required a meeting with a really high up communist official. Oh. I went along for this meeting. I have no idea why. <laughs> it certainly wasn't adding anything to the discussion. I was just there to be there. And I had brought a friend of mine along who was a really good artist. Part of the idea was, well, maybe you could sketch some of these people during these really long, tedious meetings and we could give your sketch of them to them as a gift at the end of the meeting. It made him feel like there was a purpose for him to be on the trip. Was he from there? Was he a local? No, he was from Seattle. He came with me. He was basically, my dad let me bring a friend. Since a lot of what we were going to be doing was business, he let me bring my best friend along at the time. Okay. And he just happened to be a good artist, and my dad had found the funding for us to come, so we weren't paying for the trip, so we both really felt like we needed a purpose, a reason why we're getting this trip for free. And so his was, draw these people, you know, you can give them a gift at the end. And this was the first big meeting that he had been in with a sketchpad drawing, okay? There's a lot of people on our side, and there's a lot of people on their side, but as far as their side is concerned, I can tell who the official is, and then there's like two other guys that are doing most of the talking, and everybody else is just sitting silently. The one guy who's doing the most talking is the one that my friend starts to sketch. Did they tell him beforehand? Who to sketch? No, did, they, did the guy being sketched know he was being sketched? Oh, no, no. Okay. Is a surprise. Yes. I remember this being was a test one to see if you could do it. I don't think we were intending to give it to, this was just sort of the, the practice one. So after this long meeting is over, we walk out as a group and my friend shows the drawing to my dad and said, well, what do you think? Is it good enough to give to somebody? And my dad said, it's good, but next time don't draw the interpreter. <gasps> <laughs> That is hilarious. Because, of course, he was the one that was talking the most. And now that makes complete sense. <laughs> uh, lesson learned. That's very good. That could be a joke. Yeah, I do think we ended up just bagging that whole idea and <laughs> accepting the free vacation, but <laughs> what can you do? Um, so another thing, though, that I know happens to you all the time is that because not only are you the interpreter for everybody, even mine, in many situations... That people automatically feel like, well, you can interpret. You should be able to teach me English, right? Especially when it comes to family, I imagine. I don't know if your mother's ever asked you to teach her Italian, but I know your Italian family has thought, well, we now have a native English speaker in the family. It's our turn to all speak English. Definitely not. No, not my family. Although when I was first learning Italian and I was very enthusiastic about it. Long before I lived here, I remember one summer sitting down on the grass with my mom and being like, okay, I'm going to teach you Italian. And I started teaching her the body parts. and But that was really just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. First of all, when I first started dating my husband and met his family, his littlest sister was at the time quite young. She was seven or eight. And so the idea was just speak to her in Italian or in English. She'll just absorb it. I did try. She would just kind of smile at me, no clue, like blank eyes. She wasn't yet taking English in school, and that lasted about a day. And that was that. because yeah, it's awkward. Uh, Why are you talking to your <laughs> to yeah. this little girl in English? Yeah, she would just ask me in Italian, what did you say? Because like, she didn't understand a word. I'd like to think 
you could do that. And, you know, I've he- heard of cases where kids have a nanny who speaks a foreign language and the parents ask the nanny to only speak the foreign language with the child. But every day for probably eight hours a day. And this was, you know, once a week for an hour or something. So that didn't work. And then many years later, my father-in-law decided he was going to learn English. And he enrolled in a course and he asked me to go over his homework with him. If I haven't mentioned this already, I should probably should. My husband and I go to my in-laws almost every Sunday. I think we've mentioned that <laughs> possibly. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tradition in Italy to spend Sunday with family. and All of your free time with yeah. family. I know. I mean, luckily I have two days off a week. Usually sometimes I have to work on Saturdays, but I usually have two days off. My husband only has one on Sunday, and so it's, it, it's kind of hard. But for now, that's reality. But anyway, so my father-in-law, who has done so much for me, particularly of a bureaucratic nature, so many situations and devoted countless hours to studying laws for me and many different things. I could go on and on. You know, I do feel a little bit beholden to him when he asks me for a favor. And he asked me if I could help him with his homework. The thing is, my father-in-law, this is going to turn into the episode in which I bash my father-in-law. It sounds really bad. (laughs) Hopefully my in-laws don't know I'm doing this. He's a wonderful man. I've met him. (laughs) Yes, he is. I'll vouch for his character. He's a knight, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's like, he's been knighted by both the Vatican and the Italian government. So he's, he's a pretty good guy. What for? For services that he has rendered to the country and to the Vatican. Mostly in, he's in the police force. So mostly because of that. Very nice. So those are his credentials. But <laughs> but he's very slow, as most people are at that age when they're learning their first second language, their first new language. Uh, not first new language, because I guess your first language is your first new language. But you know what I'm saying, your first foreign language. I used to sit there and go over and over and over again with him, in one ear, out the other. He'd remember, he'd get it finally by the end of the lesson, but by the next lesson it would be gone. So shoveling the path when it's still snowing kind of thing so that didn't really work out and he doesn't really speak much more English today than he did before he took that year-long course oh yeah no last night he said at dinner he said Tiffany you should just speak English all of the time when you're over here I can do that but no one will answer me and they don't they don't answer me because they're all shy my sister-in-law my older sister-in-law and and of course Claudio they will speak English to my family because they know that there's no other choice but they won't speak it to me for the same reason when I lived in Montreal I had no problem speaking French with people who I knew didn't speak English people from Spain people from other countries French was their second language too I had no problem speaking that with them in French but then the francophones who were fluent in English I was so embarrassed to speak to because I felt like an idiot speaking to them I think that's the same thing. So they won't speak to me in English. They feel embarrassed. My Even my sister-in-law, who speaks great English, she won't speak to me in English unless my mom is there or something. So, so my father-in-law had this brilliant idea. Just speak to us in English and we'll all learn. It's not that simple. Plus, I'm not going to spend my day off teaching five people. <laughs> no, I just... You could think of it like a type of performance art or something. You no. Know. a clown. Very dramatic gestures Mm. along with what English you're speaking doesn't sound very fun no 
that's the thing though isn't everybody just supposed to be really good at teaching english if they're english speakers well you'd think but it's not the case and i actually tried to speak to teach english when i first moved here and i have no training just to teach english i obviously speak english but i never trained and you know it's like anything else it takes training to learn how to teach you can do something but if you don't train how to teach it i found it incredibly difficult and boring I mean, there are some people who are great and who have all these sorts of games and they set up a fruit stand and everybody comes in and there's like strawberry, oranges. Well, yeah, that's an idea, for example. But I, you know, I'd be like with a worksheet. I was the most boring English teacher of, of all time. I think I did it twice. No, it's not natural. You need to study. I mean, and plus just on a grammatic level, there are so many terms that native English speakers don't remember. My husband will like say something like, oh, you know, progressive, the future, the present progressive and the past progressive and the future this and, you know, all these specific tenses. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) because we don't remember any of that. I mean, I can barely remember what like an auxiliary verb is. We probably would never think of it that way. Well, exactly. When you learn it as your own language, you don't. I think we did learn at a certain point in grammar school this is the participle and this is the um, whatever the auxiliary <laughs> all the verb, terms you know all those terms <laughs> that i can't remember the preposition <laughs> etc but it's not so easy to just sort of pull them out and even rules are hard to remember i wouldn't even know where to begin mm. it's not easy i always use english so improperly anyway no, I, yes i do i we <laughs> derek and i took a walk today and we should definitely wrap it up but we took a walk today and um I don't even know what I said, but I said a, uh, oh, I said something like, what stories interesting did I read today or something like that, which sounds crazy. Well, maybe that's just, you know, you being in Italy. No, I, I don't know. But I, I said that and he said, what kind of a sentence is that? And I said, it's not a sentence. It's a question. <laughs> He's like, well, what kind of a question is that? The question is the type of a sentence. I know. That's true. <laughs> I know. It all didn't make sense. The whole thing. The whole thing didn't make sense. And what I was trying to do was I was just talking to myself because I was trying to remember a news story I'd read in the paper that I wanted to tell him about. But it was just my brain shooting out random words to uh, uh, well, to uh, you try know, to communicate. Maybe, uh, <laughs> what I think is that maybe the Italian has been sinking in even if you don't realize it because in Italian you say the adjective after the noun. Maybe. So you would have said, Quale cosa interessante ho letto? It would have been cooler of me as a defense to bring that <laughs> to bring yeah, that up. You should have done that. <laughs> he uh, would have called Bolt, though, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. He <laughs> probably would have, definitely. All right, well, we should leave it there. Very interesting, though. I will now consider you censoring my inappropriate thoughts when we're out with Italian friends. I've never done it with you. Oh, good. I must never say anything inappropriate. Inappropriate. So. I can't even say inappropriate. Inappropriate. <laughs> okay, let's leave it there, shall we? I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. This is The Bittersweet Life. Hi there, Katie here. Sitting by the open window as the pizza place gets ready for dinner service downstairs. If you like the show, consider supporting us. Your little contribution helps us pay the bills, which frankly is a blessing since I'm making no money right now. (laughs) And uh, it shows your interest in seeing more podcasts, even entirely new types of podcasts in the future. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and click the donate button. Thank you so much for joining us on this adventure and for all the ways you keep in touch. Talk to you next week.